I want to ask the question this morning. Do we see Jesus? Do we see Jesus? Look in the Word of God to Hebrews 1. The writer says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, set down on the right hand of the majesty on high. I want you to notice the explicit descriptions that are given there of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says he was described in the, in, in the Old Testament by the prophets. But in the last days, we see the Son of God, who's the heir of all things, by whom he made the worlds, and he's the brightness of his glory. Those are very explicit, descriptive images that are giving, given. It says he is the express image of his person, and that he is set down on the right hand of the majesty on high. One of my enjoyable times, even now, but especially growing up, living out of the country, you can go out on certain nights when the sky is right and it's not cloudy and you can just see amazing things. I always would go out with the idea of hoping to see a shooting star. And they tell me that on pretty much any night you can, if you stay long enough, that they're out there. But especially these times whenever you know that a meteor shower is coming, something like that is just fascinates me. But you think about when you go out there, it's dark. <laughs> if you've never done that, you're invited to my house to come in and on a bright night, a clear night, to go out and, and see. Because you can't do that. I hate to say it, but you can't do it in the city. I lived in Nashville. You couldn't do it there. I traveled to Atlanta. You know, you can't do it in the big city. There's just too much whatever. <laughs> but out in the country, you can go and you can just look at this vast expanse of darkness. And, you know, if you just went out there to look at the darkness, you wouldn't see very much, would you? I mean, it, you, if you couldn't see your hand in front of your face, I mean, that would be pointless. But when you stand there and you look and you see these bright points of light all throughout the sky, and, of course, there's one big orb in the sky that's getting the reflection of the sun called the moon. Maybe last week you saw, I think it was a harvest moon or whatever it was. It was great. It was amazing to look at. But I would stand there and I would gaze. Sometimes I would even get on top of, of a silo, climb up there in the dark with a flashlight, be careful, and get on top of that silo and just sit there where I, there was nothing in my peripheral that would hinder me from seeing the entire expanse of the sky. You know, I'm not there to behold the darkness. You understand that? I'm there to behold the points of light that light up the darkness. And I see a star. I see the moon. I see maybe a shooting star. Years and years ago, and Sister Trace and I had a very small baby named Madison. We were living in the old house, and 3 o'clock in the morning was going to be a meteor shower. So somehow we woke ourselves up, set an alarm, woke ourselves up, took some blankets out in that cattle field right there in front of the old farmhouse and laid that down and just laid back, had to, had to pinch ourselves to stay awake. But we began to just look, and it was amazing, the points of light that were just continually streaking across the sky. We weren't out there to see the darkness. Y'all hear me? We were out there to see the light. And I readily admit that 
in this particular time and this culture that surrounds us and infects us, we, I do a lot of staring at the darkness because there's a lot of darkness out there. And it can consume you if all you do is stare at the darkness, if all you do is l- listen to the statistics, if all you do is think about you know, who went into office or who didn't, or what's wrong, why didn't these conservatives go in, or why didn't these God-fearing people go in. It will consume you. <laughs> I think I mentioned Wednesday night that I intentionally, from Tuesday to late Wednesday or Thursday, I intentionally didn't even look at any news. I don't, I don't want to hear it. You know, I cast my vote and followed the dictates of what the Word of God tells me to do in terms of voting for individuals and considering individuals to vote for. But I just intentionally didn't look because I, I just knew it. Because Brother Luke said, we know that's not the answer. You understand? That, that can be a great blessing and benefit of the real answer, which is repentance. But I just stayed away from it because I, I, I said within my own heart of hearts, I said, I've seen enough darkness lately. I've seen enough darkness. So I need to see some light. Isn't it amazing that you can go out into a dark night and see those points of light? And listen, we need to see Jesus in the times of darkness that we live in. Whenever I feel consumed by the darkness, whenever I feel there's like there's no hope, There's one thought in the back of my mind. I just need to crawl back into my little hole, crawl back into my little study cave, and I need to break open the Word of God, and I need to look at the life of Jesus. And I'm talking about the real Jesus. I don't mean the watered-down, begging, pleading, wishing, wanting Jesus. I'm talking about the Master of the universe, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who does not need permission from anyone to save them. (laughs) That's who I want to look at. And here in this opening of the book of Hebrews, it says that Christ, think about the express images that are given here. He is the brightness of the glory of God. And He is the express image of the person of God and the Godhead. And He upholds all things by the word of His power. And then He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. It does not say that He had a preacher helping Him there. It does not say that He had a Sunday school teacher or a parent or a missionary. There is no assistance that God received in purging your sins from you. He did it by Himself. Now, any way you cut that, some people say, well, I I think man has to participate a little bit in it or just a tiny bit or 50% or 51% or 99%. Listen, any way you you look at this, somebody says, well, I just don't see it that he did it all. We got to do a little bit. There's one thing that you can't deny. You can't deny that if he did it, which which he did, if he says he did it by himself alone with no help, you can't deny whether you agree with it or not, I trust you all agree with it, but you can't deny that it gives Him all glory. You get that? You say, I'm trying to find the truth. I'm trying to find where I fit in in life. I want you to understand as a blood-bought child of God in the covenant of grace, that the way that you fit in is by giving as much glory to God as you possibly can. And one very simple way that you can give all glory to God is when it comes to your eternal salvation. You didn't choose Him. You didn't seek Him. You didn't pursue Him. The Lord looked down through time and saw that no one would pursue Him. And, there would, and heaven would be a very lonely place, a very empty place. It won't be lonely because the Godhead's there, but very empty place. 
if it were not for God's covenant. And the covenant says, I will choose a number of people that no man can number. It's not your choice. It's not my choice. Now, I want you to see that Jesus. Not because, well, that's my opinion of Jesus. Or not because, well, that's the primitive Baptist position about Jesus. That is God's position about Jesus. He says He by Himself purged our sins. Now, when I start looking at God like that, it makes me feel very small. One of the ways that you can know that this is the truth is it gives all glory to God. No man can fit in there for glory. And another way is that it gives no glory to man. You know, maybe you've heard people say, well, this particular evangelist or this particular individual that reached so many souls died or whatever. And no telling how many crowns they're going to have in heaven because of all the souls that they say. Let me tell you something. There's only one crown in heaven and it fits on the brow of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There's no person, no missionary. There's no evangelist. There's no televangelist. There's no preacher like me. There's no anyone anywhere that will have any glory in heaven other than Jesus Christ for the salvation of our souls. That's a beautiful truth that the Word of God teaches. And by the way, many, many groups of religious beliefs used to hold that dear. But through the years, it's just kind of drifted away. Let's don't drift away from it. You need to know that truth when you behold the darkness of this world. Hebrews 2, if you skip over to the second chapter, look at verse 8. He says, Thou hast put all things in subjection under His feet, Christ's feet. For in that He put all in subjection under Him. He left nothing that is not put under Him. But now we see not yet all things put under Him. With the physical eye, we cannot yet see all the powers of the world and the universe the, all the powers of all the nations of all times, we cannot quite see that yet because the end has not yet come. So what do we do until then? I mean, we pine away and think, well, I can't wait to see that. I just, I just wish you're going to see it, child of God. As a matter of fact, the Word of God says, Jesus says, know ye not that we shall judge men? Right. You know, you, you understand you'll be at, at least the jury one day at the end of time as the wicked are judged. So what do we do until then? I can't wait to see all things put under His feet. But we don't see it yet because it hasn't happened yet. So what do we do? Verse 9, but we see Jesus. You hear that? Look to the Lord Jesus Christ. We see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that He by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became Him for whom all are all things and by whom are, th are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Don't let that every man throw you off. John the 6th chapter says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. That's the every man right there. Every man, woman, and child that God gave to His Son in the covenant of redemption before the world was formed is going to come to Jesus he did pay for their sins. He purged them by Himself. And He told those people on that day, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. But then He says, but no man can come to me. Thank God for exceptions. Except the Father which has sent me draw him. John the 6th chapter. So no man can even come to the Lord without God drawing to him. And I like the way the old preacher put it. It's like a well of water where the bucket is dropped down in the well. You don't see the water jump in the bucket. The bucket draws out the water from the well without the volition of the water, right? That's how God draws His children to Him. You say, well, 
Is that correct? Who gets all the glory in that? God does. You see? Do you see that Jesus? He gets all the glory for your salvation. He gets all the glory for drawing you. He gets all the glory that He is over all powers, all nations in this world. We see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Look with me to Psalm 36. Psalm 36 is a wonderful psalm that I've... Sadly, I've never spent a whole lot of time in it, but I... Until recently. But the Psalms are such a wonderful, wonderful place to go when it comes to struggling and looking at darkness and feeling affected by the darkness. If you read the Psalms and find the right ones, I mean, they're all right, but you you will find a Psalm that applies to your situation. That's the beautiful thing. There's so many. If you keep reading, you'll be going along like a little treasure you'll strike treasure and go that's me i see that that's me and that's exactly that happens to me every time i go and read the psalms if you're sitting there thinking whoa that's never happened to me then you're not reading them enough there's so many psalms and it's the it's the ponderings often of a troubled soul david says i'm troubled i'm distressed on every side i'm seeing darkness all around me so here you have the inspired word of god laying out a man's heart under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost telling you how, it, how to deal with it. Psalm 36 says, The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart. Did you catch that? He's seeing the transgression of the wicked. It's overwhelming to him. And when he sees their transgression and how there is no repentance, there's no acknowledgement of sin, it says within his heart, within David's heart, he says, The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. He sees what they do and he watches how they act and how they continue in their mad course of sin with no repentance. And he says, there's just no fear of God before their eyes. You see that? You ever looked at anything, maybe watched a show or heard some news or saw something reported on the news and you thought, those people just keep doing that again and again or that situation. There really is no fear of God. In them, there appears to be no fear of God because they keep doing these wicked things. Does that make sense? David is seeing that. Don't tell me that you can't identify with that. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. You know, you think about how it's so, so uh, prominent and prevalent in the woke culture today of, of you know, you're, you're, when you say don't do this or don't do that, you're hating me or you're against me. <laughs> Well, that's hateful in and of itself right there when it's against the Word of God. He flattereth himself in his own eyes. I'm doing right. I'm doing good. Until his iniquity be found to be hateful. You see? The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He hath left off to be wise and to do good. He devises mischief upon his bed. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. You see where he starts looking? He is looking at the darkness of, here's somebody that doesn't care a thing about God. Their agenda is all about themselves or all about promoting whatever their agenda is. It has no regard for God. And it's just consuming. How can this continue? How can this be? How can we continue to exist with such darkness all around us? And look what he does. He begins to look up to the heavens. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Thy judgments are a great deep. Can you picture him looking over to the mountains up there in Jerusalem? And then maybe he looks down to the sea. 
Thy judgments are a great deep. O Lord, Thou preservest man and beast. How excellent is Thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of Thy wings. He's coming back around, isn't he? I tell you, when I read something like that, it brings me back around. Because there I am looking and thinking, is there any judgment here? Is there any equity here? Is there any answering for these wicked things that go on? And then I begin to think about God like the psalmist. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. Well, I don't fully understand what all that means, but it sure sounds good, doesn't it? Drink of the river of the pleasures of God. For watch this now. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. Did you catch that? In thy light, the light of God, shall we see light. When I go out there and I behold the night, I'm not going out there to see the darkness. I'm going out there to behold the points of light that are in the sky and maybe see something that comes across the sky like a meteor shower. And in that light, I see light. Are y'all with me? You're not going to see light by continuing to focus on the darkness of this world. You're not going to continue to see light or walk in light by just concentrating on how bad things are. But in the light of God you will see light. And what did Hebrews, the first chapter say? That the express image of God is His Son. The brightest light that you could see is the S-O-N. It's interesting to me that when you look at that night sky and you see the moon and all of its splendor and seeing all the craters and the different things about the moon, I've often said if it's positioned in a certain way, there's, at some point it looks like a navel orange if you, if you look at it in a certain way with the streaks on it and such. And I, you look at that and you think, that's amazing. But there is no light to the moon. You understand? It's in the light of the sun that you are able to discern the things on the moon. I tell you, child of God, it's in the light of the Son of God that you will be able to discern light in this life. For in thy light shall we see light. Look with me to Matthew, the 12th chapter. And I hope that none of us will fall into this trap. Matthew, the 12th chapter. There were some people that were asking to see some things. Look at Matthew 12 and verse 38. These people wanted to see something. And what they saw in Jesus was just not good enough. Let that never be the case with us. We're just not sad. There's many people out in the religious world that are, that are either not satisfied with Jesus or they just haven't seen the real Jesus. You understand? Matthew 12 and 38, Then the certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered and said, Master, we would see, not Jesus, but a sign from thee. There's a lot of people that are looking for signs. Now, th listen, this doesn't mean that the providence of God doesn't work in our lives. I can, I can tell you time and time, and even recently, time and time again, of when the providence of God comes in and, and affects our life you know, in a mighty way. I think I've told you the story before. I won't go through the long story, but the day that the Lord suffered this fool to not crash and die because whenever I had the tires changed or rotated and balanced on Sister Tracy's truck, this is many years ago, back in the old white excursion that was like a Mack truck. And so they didn't tighten the lug nuts back on the tire. And so over the course of several days, thank God I was driving it. It worked off more and more lug nuts and that tire was just doing this. And I was like, what's wrong with this thing? You know, I'm just driving it. I got out and checked it. I looked. 
at the point, Brother Harold, the point that I looked, all the lug nuts were not off, though. They were just very loose. But I'm just looking at it. So I can tell when a lug nut's off, okay? But when I looked at it, they weren't all off. So I continued to drive it. Took it to Tuscaloosa one morning, and the thing is about to take me off the road if I let it off the wheel. And I'm like, I'm fixing to trade this thing up. I'm sick of this thing. So I still didn't get it. Drove back to Carrollton, parked in a place that I never park. And because that thing's so huge, I had to park out in the road just a little bit on a parallel park. Well, when I come out that afternoon after getting off of work, somebody had completely destroyed the mirror. <laughs> it completely knocked that thing around. It was busted to pieces. And I was, I was so mad. Didn't even know, you know, didn't leave a note or anything. So I could call them and file it on their insurance and so forth. So when I got in the truck, I was, I was spitting mad. I turned that mirror back towards me and the way that the, the little mirror inside it was dangling. It was so broken. You know what I mean? It was just and so when I pulled it back around and looked at it, it was dangling and pointing directly to that left rear tire. So I began to drive off in my mad race to get home again. And as I turned the corner, I couldn't help but be drawn to that thing dangling thing. And all I could see was that tire going was about to fall off had one lug nut left on it. Y'all know those excursions, those things are huge. If that thing loses its balance, and flip, it's gonna flip over. So I stopped immediately, I think I called Brother Harold or somebody, but we, we, got it, we got it tightened up enough to where I could get home. Listen, that's not a sign. That's the Lord suffering fools for not checking their tire. So I, immediately I was no longer mad at whoever hit me, but I'd rather think that the Lord Jesus Christ sent an angel down there and just went, Poof, I'm going to thump the mirror of this guy's truck because he's so stupid, he can't figure out his tire's about to fall off. See, that's not a sign. That's the providence of God. I wasn't sitting there going, Lord, give me a sign so I can figure out what's wrong with my truck. You get that? So these Pharisees are coming to Jesus and they're, they're coming to the Son of God. What more sign do you need than the Son of God? He's here on earth. He declares to be the great I Am. And they say, well, we need a sign from you. Just make sure you are who you say you are. Let's don't ask God for signs. I remember several years ago, Brother Chris was still a, an independent Baptist, and this little church way up north had called him, and uh, he was looking for a sign. He tells the story, so I'm not telling off on him, but, but I do like to tell off on him. So Brother Chris said, you know, the day he went up there was the day he was going to answer him or not. Am I going to take the church? Am I not going to take the church? And he said, Lord, just give me a sign. And so in his mind, he said, okay, if old brother so-and-so, who I up here singing, they had, you know, solos and such, you know, in that church. They had individuals singing, not just congregational, okay? And he said, if old brother so-and-so sings that song I like that he hadn't sung in about six weeks or, you know, six months, then that's going to be my sign that I need to take this church. Well, of course, old brother so-and-so got up there and sang that song. And brother Chris was like, that's it, that's it, I got it, I got it, my sign. And he answered and said, yes, I'll take the church and... It was two days later, and he said, I've made a mistake. You go searching for signs, you're going to get yourself in trouble. We've all done it. I used to think, Lord, send me a sign so I'll know when I meet the right person to marry. Well, when you meet the right person to marry, you don't have to have a sign. You get that? Don't go searching for signs. Pray for the providence of God in your life, for protection when you don't even know it. But don't go searching for a sign. Jesus said, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. 
And there shall no sign be given it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You see, he said, there's your sign. Isn't there a comedian or somebody that does that? You know, there's your sign. Right there it is. You go back and look at what happened with Jonah. Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. He says, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. There's your sign right there. And those guys begin to scratch their head. What? Watch this in verse 41. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation. Well, he's laying it on thick now. The Ninevites were hated enemies of the Israelites. And the men of Nineveh will condemn this nation because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. You know, this man that smelled like a fish and, and looked like fish throw up comes to their town and he begins to preach 40 days and Nineveh's going to be destroyed. And you know... I want to be kind and gentle in my preaching and whatever, but I don't think Jonah was very kind and gentle. I bet he had a scowl on his face. You know, he wants them to burn in Nineveh. You understand? And they repented at this man who didn't even really care about them. He goes up and he sits on the side of the hill and pouts a, a day or few, two after he gets there. And he just pouts, waiting for the fireworks show. He wants the Lord to destroy Nineveh, even though he has preached as God commanded for them to repent. They repented at mean Jonah, at that mean preaching that he did. And Jesus says, behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Who's he talking about? Do you see Jesus? He's greater than Jonas. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't save you with a scowl on his face? Aren't you glad that he didn't just pitch a fit there in the Garden of Gethsemane and say, I just don't want to do it, Lord. I, I'm just tired of these people. They rebel. You know, Peter's, I know he's going to deny me here shortly. I just don't want to do it. I'm just not willing to do it. Aren't you glad that the Lord Jesus Christ was greater than Jonah? He didn't do it with a scowl on his face. Hebrews, the 12th chapter says that we're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, suffering the shame. You see that? I'm so glad he's greater than Jonah, aren't you? The queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. The queen of the south who was not Jewish, who was not an Israelite, she came to see the, the glory of Solomon's temple. And she says when she sees it, she gets faint. And she says the half was not told. The half was not told to me about how great and, and splendid and glorious and majestic this kingdom of Solomon is. And Jesus says, a greater than Solomon is here. Christ is greater than Solomon. How is Christ greater than Solomon? Well, for one thing, he didn't marry a thousand wives and go and worship pagan gods, you see? We need to be careful when we ask for a sign. As we close our thoughts here this morning, look at John, the 12th chapter. John, the 12th chapter and verse 20. It's one of my favorite verses in the book of John because in a strange and silly way, and I don't know if my ancestors were connected to the Greeks or... You know, if we were further, probably further up north in Europe, you know, Germanic tribes, British Isles and so forth. But I know from the standpoint of Jew and Gentile, this is where I come from. This is where I would have come in in those days. I would not have been a Jewish person. And I don't think any of you would have either. If you came into the scene in those days, you would have come in as a Greek or as someone from up in Europe or from the British Isles or whatever. So here in John 12... And we look at verse 20. 
It says there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. You know, see, that's proof right there that God had a people out of every kindred, tribe, tongue, and nation. See, he had people like the Ethiopian eunuch down in Africa. He had people like the Greeks here that had come over from Greece. He had people all over. It says, The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. They had it right, didn't they? They didn't come and say like the Pharisees, we want to see a sign. You're not good enough. We want to see a sign. No, they just wanted to see Jesus. The woman who had the issue of blood, if she could just crawl through the crowd and touch the hem of his garment, she just wanted to see Jesus. I tell you, child of God, that should be the deepest, most desire of the child of God, just to see Jesus. Oh, I want to see him so bad. I want to see him in his glory. I want to see him in his splendor. I want to see him with that royalty about him as he stands at the end of time and he puts down all rule and all authority and power. And by the grace of God, until that day comes, we can behold the express image of God, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's revealed through the scripture. It tells you about his mannerisms. It tells you about the heart of God. It tells you how he interacted with the people of God. It tells you about his kindness and his and his majestic royalty you see it tells him about how he could identify with God's children and because of the way things are in the religious world today we have just kind of been divorced from what Jesus and who Jesus really is he doesn't need your permission to do anything he doesn't need your permission to save a child of God he does as he pleases as a matter of fact Isaiah said that the nations are as of a drop in a bucket and our God is in the heavens he's on the throne and until we see Him in that regal splendor, we behold Him through the Spirit and through the Word of God, through the preaching of the Gospel and through study. These men just came to see Jesus. The same came therefore to Philip and they said, Sir, we would see Jesus. Is that your desire today? Sir, we just would see Jesus. You say, well, I need to pray for you, Brother Tim. That's your prayer right there. Just say to the Lord, Sir, we would see Jesus. Let the minister of the gospel present a picture of Jesus. You see? And Philip came and told Andrew. And Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. In verse 23, Jesus answered them. They said, Lord, they said, Lord, these Greeks are here to see you. That's kind of weird, isn't it? And as Jesus was often wont to do, he answers them in not the way they expected. You know, like, hey, we're expecting to say, yeah, bring them on. Or no, tell them I can't see them. And Jesus says, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Who do you think that much fruit is? Are you with me? Those Greeks are that much fruit. See, they're, they're going, oh, oh, here he goes again. We don't know where he's going with this. Thank God we know now where he's going with this. I'm going to die. I'm going to give my life. I'm going to pay for the sins of not only these Jewish people, but also of these Greeks. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And they're all sitting there thinking, when's he going to answer our question? He's answering their question. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. He's thinking about those Greeks that have come thousands of miles to see Jesus. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, for this cause came out unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. And they're still sitting there going, when's he going to answer us? Here comes the answer. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. 
The people therefore that stood by and heard it and said it thundered. And others said, an angel spoke to him. And Jesus said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. For whose sake? For the apostles, for the disciples, for the Greeks who had come to see Jesus. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. How about that? Jesus was prone to answer in a different way, wasn't he? He knew who those men were. He knew where they'd come from. He knew that they were there to see him. Oh, child of grace, don't get lost looking at the darkness because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Look for the points of light. I believe that every single person under the sound of my voice this morning and others that may not be here this morning, you are points of light to me. Just your presence here is a point of light. Because why are you here? To worship, the, worship God. To see Jesus. But even more than you and more than individuals in my life that are points of light to me, the Lord Jesus Christ. All of, you, all of you, God forbid, could fall off the face of the earth tomorrow. I could. But Christ remains as the ultimate point of light. The Son of God. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, despised the shame, endured the cross, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. Maybe you need to go out in that night sky on a bright night out in the country. And as you behold the expanse of the worlds and stars that God has created and the moon that is merely reflects the light of the sun, of God's sun, maybe when you look at that and you think now, I'm not here to see the darkness. I'm here to see the light. And there, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Maybe you'll see a shooting star. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing to see. Brother Josh Coker last week sent me a song to listen to, and it's, it was uh, Oak Ridge Boys. Sorry, young guys. You, you missed that generation. It was awesome. <laughs> the Oak Ridge Boys. And in the middle of this Oak Ridge Boys song, it has a, it has a speech or a, a talking by Merle Haggard, who was one of my favorite artists. Sorry, guys, you missed it. He's dead. <laughs> but you can go listen to him on Spotify. <laughs> and in the middle of that song, this is what Merle said. He said, as a boy, I was always afraid to go down at altar call and kneel down. And over the years, I wondered, is my soul saved or is it lost? Then I realized that salvation was all the grace of God, all the grace of Jesus. And we've been saved just the way he saved that thief on the cross. <laughs> Thank you, Merle. <laughs> I always liked a lot of your songs and now I like them even more. <laughs> you see, God's got people everywhere. You start looking at the, the little Jesuses of the, the, of the denominational world who's trying, wishing, wanting, pleading, begging, can't get anything done. No wonder people are falling away left and right. But when you hear about the Son of God who reigns in regal splendor right now and beholds you as a congregation from His throne and He says, that's my people. I tell you what, that's light. Amen. And I need it. I don't know about you.